Welcome to episode 201 of Live Happy Now, brought to you this week by the Happy Child Summit. I'm Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us today to talk about something that I think most of us spend a lot of time thinking about and all of us want more of. And no, I'm not even talking about sleep. This week, it's all about time as designer Jake Knapp joins us. Jake spent 10 years at Google, where he helped build products like Gmail and Google Hangouts, but perhaps his greatest accomplishment is that he figured out how we can design our days to get more out of them. Today, he's talking with us about his new book, Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day, and he's going to tell us how we can learn to do our days differently. Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, this is a really relevant book because I don't know a single person who says they have too much time on their hands anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's not a common conversation starter. What do I do with all my free time? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we hear this all the time. People are too busy and, and people say, I just don't have time. So are we busier than we used to be or is it is it the way we're structuring our time? What's What's going on with us in time? I don't know. I think there's probably some element of the human experience, at least in modern kind of industrial age, that has probably always felt really busy. And there's always been a lot of stress, I think. But there is definitely something going on with our technology and the rate at which we're improving our ability to be distracted these days. And also just, I think our, our culture more and more accepts busyness and expects busyness, especially in the United States. And if you're, if you're in the United States, I think you're used to asking people how they are and hearing I'm busy and that can mean good or bad or whatever, but that's the standard answer. Yeah, it is. We kind of wear that as our little badge or <laughs> yeah. as an excuse. Like I, I can't do it. I'm just too busy to do that. Yeah. But then, yeah, we can find time to get on Instagram for 30 minutes. <laughs> And so maybe it's a priority thing. But you talk about the difference between redesigning your day and time management. And this is what really, I think, sets your book apart is that you're not talking about time management. That's right. Yeah. Can you explain that to us? Because it really is pretty fascinating. Yeah. So uh, my background is as a designer and I think a lot about how to try to design things so they'll be easy for people to do and work well for what people want to accomplish, which is how we get into this fix where technology is is so compelling and so distracting. But it's also a way to take control of things. And so with time management, where I think often what the word that people associate with it is being productive, how can I get the most things done in the least amount of time? The way that I'm talking about it is actually about being purposeful instead of productive. So it's it's picking that one thing that really excites you each day, one thing that you want to have bring your full attention to, and then making a, a time for it on your calendar, you know, sort of defending some space for it. And then everything's kind of designed around that. So it becomes the, the focal point. We call it the highlight of your day. And everything builds off of that that one sort of central design piece. It's almost like the, you know, in Instagram, the the highlight of Instagram are probably the photos, you know, and and the highlight of your your inbox maybe is uh, is each email. For us, the in the make time process, the highlight is that one thing that's the most exciting for you each day. And you say it's the thing that's most exciting for a lot of us. 
the thing that's most exciting is not the thing that dominates our day. Yeah. So how do you balance those two things? Yeah. And I should probably say it can't always be the most exciting thing. Sometimes it's going to be the thing that's most satisfying. And maybe your day realistically is going to be dominated by some big project at work. And perhaps you're a bit stressed about it. But I can't tell you how many times in my past I've I've talked to people or I've, I've had this experience myself where I know I have to do something. It's really important. And it's the, the most important thing for the day at work. And yet at the end of the day, I, I haven't done it somehow. And I, I look back and I think, gosh, I was answering emails and I was, you know, talking to people. But somehow I kept putting off that hard, big project that I knew was, was really important. And so sometimes it'll be really satisfying to do that thing that you've got to do. But whenever possible, I want to encourage people to prioritize something that they might not otherwise get to. And when you start off the day by saying, if the day was over and I was looking back on it, what would I like to say was the highlight of my day? And occasionally it will be that work project, but sometimes it's going to be that thing that was really fun, that hobby you wanted to get to or spending time with your kids. And, you know, that's really the promise of it is when you start to be able to harness this idea of highlighting to do those things that otherwise get deprioritized. And how do you stay with it? Because for a lot of us, we start out Sunday night, like, okay, here's what my week is going to look like. And we're all, yeah, let's go get this. And the minute Monday starts, you feel like you lose all control. Yeah, totally. Everything, you know, what you schedule is not, does not in any way resemble what actually happens during your day. So how do you use this concept to kind of like regain control and get back on track with your day? Well, one of the most important things about this concept is that it is day by day. And so there is no like week long plan or like month, you know, there's, it's not a big master plan. It's like, look, let's look at today and see what's possible today. And so I think that already helps a lot, you know, not feeling like it's this, you're building like a big suspension bridge. And if one piece falls apart, the whole thing collapses, but rather that you're just saying like for today, what's workable and what's doable. And also I think it's important to be realistic during the day. A lot of times for me, the thing I set out to have be my highlight at the beginning of the day is something happens. Things come up. Life is like that. And at the end of the day, then when I kind of reflect back on what's happened, I'll say, oh, yeah, this this other thing took its place. But that thing was really important, really urgent. You know, my kid got sick or last week it was our puppy who got sick. And I, OK, it makes sense that I put that thing off. But part of what happens there is that you, at least for me, I stop feeling guilty about not doing the, th- the things that were important. I start having a better relationship with my own attention because I've said, this is the thing that's most important to me today. If I do it, great. If I don't, I can at least look back and say, well, I know why, because there was this sort of clear headline. You have a really interesting story in the sense of how you came about looking at this. Can you tell us that? Yeah. Well, I think the moment for me that changed the way I was thinking about how I spent my time is it's all for related to me with to being a dad and I have two kids and they're two boys age 15 and 8 and when my oldest son was born I got really into productivity the first thing we talked about you know trying to get as much done in in the least amount of time possible 
And I felt like by the time my younger son was born that I had really got, I was really good at that, that I was, you know, very efficient. I was constantly getting my inbox to empty and I was working at Google, which is a very fast paced environment. So actually working on the Gmail team. And so I felt like I was this email expert and there's this, this evening, this moment, it's, it's a few years back. I was on the floor with my, my younger son was a baby at the time. And we're my older son, we're playing with wooden trains and building like a train track. And, and all of a sudden my older son says, Hey, dad, why are you looking at your phone? And I was like, I was defensive at first. I was like, I'm, just, I'm, a, you know, I'm busy. I've got work to do. I have to check my work email. But I realized even as I was saying it, I like saw what was going on from his perspective. He was like, well, we're playing wooden trains on the floor. This is like the coolest thing that could, we could possibly be doing. <laughs> so if if there's something on your phone, like he wasn't trying to call me out. He was just like, God, there must be something really cool on my dad's phone. If it's cooler than this, like it must be amazing. And I thought, God, he's he's right. Like this should be what I'm trying to pay attention to. This should be what I'm working towards. And instead, in order to feel like I have time, I'm actually taking all my time away. I'm constantly partly, you know, attentive to the phone in my pocket or the email on my computer or whatever. And I thought I've got, I've got to focus that energy that I've been spending on trying to get productive. I've got to find a different way to solve it because this is not right. And so I, at that moment, I deleted all the apps on my phone, including email and even Safari. I could just hear people clenching yeah. right then. Yeah, like, I how, know. How can you even do how that? Do and that? Especially, you're a Google guy. How yeah. did you do that? You know, I was just at the moment, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just so like angry at myself and fr- I frustrated the situation and I took it out on the on the apps on the phone and I deleted them. And, and I thought like, as soon as I did it, I was like, oh God, like, I kind of got stressed out. And it's funny because really it's it's very easy to reinstall apps. It's, you know, they make it easy for you. But at the moment I was like, oh my God, like I, this is, I'm going to be totally cut off from everything. And this is going to be even, this is going to make my stress even worse. But it was remarkable. That was six years ago, almost probably six and a half. And I still don't have all those. I, st- I continue to get new iPhones, but I've kept off most of the apps. I just use there's a lot of stuff besides, you know, email and Instagram and Facebook that you can use on your on your phone. And so it's for me, it turned out that I had better attention. And the weird thing was it actually made me better at my work. I wasn't constantly responding. So my response time went down, but I got better at solving big problems, at focusing on bigger things and, you know, uh, writing blog posts or starting new projects at the office. All those things, I just had more mental space for them. There's this very alluring kind of misconception that we, I think we're all under that if we're replying as quickly as possible, if we're reacting to others as fast as we possibly can, then we're being the best colleague possible. You know, we're really doing everybody else a favor because we're answering their question as quickly as we can. We're up to date on everything. If we're looking at our, you know, our Instagram or Facebook or whatever, if we're looking at those feeds and responding to people's posts as quickly as possible, we're being a good friend. And this is very, very alluring and very deceptive because actually if you if you can give people less frequent time, but higher quality time, you're doing everyone a favor, yourself, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your loved ones, everyone. If you give them less frequency, but more quality, and that's the, the shift that I tried to make. And the small step that you can start to take towards that is starting to delete some apps off of the phone because the phone is all about 
sprinkling lots of very high frequency, low quality interactions into your day. You know, we get so caught up in the apps and so caught up, like, I'm going to use this for my productivity. I'm going to use this to track my steps. I'm going to do all these things. And we start feeling like, okay, if I don't have all these apps, I'm going to be like Tom Hanks and Castaway. And I'm two steps away from playing (laughs) with a volleyball for a best friend, you know? And it's it's completely changed how we think. So, you know, what do people do when you start talking about making time? I can't imagine that they're like, Oh, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a it is not an instant. Like if you're listening to this right now and you're like, this guy is is nuts. This this guy is you know I'll never do this. You're not alone. That is the first reaction. I think is like that's crazy. I I don't want to do that. But I have had many people, including my wife, also first reaction. You're crazy. You know, it took like two years before she tried it and she she got into it. I have a friend. I do a podcast with this friend, and we've been doing it for about a year and he's way into Instagram and he refused to do it for a year. And then without telling me, he actually like deleted Instagram off his phone and he got an old phone and put just Instagram on the other phone. So he doesn't always have it with him. And he said, it's amazing what it's done for my brain, just separating that from being constantly with me. And that's the whole idea. I think that usually makes people feel better about it is if they can check that stuff, but on the computer or on another device, but it's just not with them all the time, then you're, you're just starting to design your attention. You're saying, you know, most of the time I want my attention to be on the people I'm with or the place I am. And then in these few, I'll make these exceptions when I'm at my desk or when I have this other device and that's when I'll, I'll be on for this other stuff. So I think it's not about saying like, I'm going to the desert island, but you know, for good. But it's just like saying I'm gonna spend a bit of my time at the beach and 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 then occasionally <laughs> I'll go to the office. And what does that do for us mentally? You talked about how it's it's good for your mind. What really does it do when we are able to distance ourselves and quit looking at our phones all the time, quit living with apps and quit living completely scheduled by these outside influences? There are all kinds of studies about attention and about the, you know, the negative effects of technology. And I think those things are out there. People can can find them in here. I think what's maybe more interesting to hear is just my qualitative experience is that professionally, I, I had this weird job for several years where I was working at Google Ventures with startups who we had invested in. And I would take the teams through like one week where during the day they had to shut their laptops and phones and just focus on solving the most pressing problem for that company. And working with teams like Slack and Uber and different different companies. And it was remarkable. I, I have seen all kinds of different teams go through this experience and get much better results day to day in their their quality of work and how much they're able to accomplish because they weren't on email, they weren't constantly checking stuff. You know, they were just talking to each other, solving the problem, maybe even working on paper individually quietly. That stuff I've seen happen and be extremely effective in in the office. For myself, it's you know, allowed me to write books and have the the mental space to do bigger things. But the most powerful thing I think is that it feels like it slows time down in a good way. And if you've ever had the feeling of coming to the end of the week and thinking, my God, what happened this week? I don't even know. This doesn't 100% solve it. Those things can still happen, but it does slow those moments down. And I feel like I have more slow, high quality moments with my kids, which is what I really wanted. One thing that you do that is crucial to being able to make time is to start identifying the things in our lives that are worth making time for. 
Yes. So how, how do people start that process? That is so important because if you're going to do, you know, me saying like, hey, consider deleting email off of your phone or, you know, consider one of the things we suggest is turning down the lights in your house at night so it just gets easier to fall asleep. Then there's a million little things like that. Doing these things is not in and of itself like, you know, we all sort of know how I could probably sleep a little bit better. Or, Gosh, I could probably be on my phone a little bit less. But feeling guilty about it is not really a great motivator. Instead, I think it's much better if you're excited about something and you're like, gosh, well, if I'm less distracted by my email or if I've, you know, taken a walk this morning, I'm going to I'm going to have more fun or get more out of that that highlight. And so knowing what the highlight is, is really important. For me, a great exercise to start off with is making a list of the projects that you have in your life. And, you know, just in any order, in anything could be a project. For me, being a dad is a project and, you know, writing a book is a project. And I often have like one or two work-related projects going on at a time. There might be something else going on at home and you can just sort of list out all of those and then make yourself put them in priority order. At this moment, like it doesn't have to be for your whole life, just saying like right now, like this week or today, what's the top priority of these projects? And just make a numbered list and draw a circle around that top thing, you know, and and really, I really encourage people when they're doing this to think about that thing that you feel like you've put off, that you've been like, gosh, someday it'd be really great if I could get back to, you know, painting or get back to practicing saxophone or someday if I could spend more time with my kids, it would be so great. Well, put that thing at the top of the list. And then every chance you get every day when you choose a highlight, see if there's a way to make time for that thing, that top priority, even if it's something that usually gets put off. And I think that's a really powerful way to start. But then day to day, I usually suggest people look for whatever's going to be the most satisfying at the end of the day. And something that'll probably take 60 to 90 minutes usually makes a good highlight. Excellent. And what happens when you have competing priorities? Because sometimes you can't, it's like having children, you can't choose your favorite. Well, sometimes you can, but <laughs> you always say you can't, right? But what, what happens when you've got two things and, and they're both priorities? Well, the reality is that on any given day, you're going to do more than one thing. And so part of this is not meant to be a grand unifying theory of your whole day. There's going to be other stuff that comes up. But yeah, you're going to have plenty of times when I'm like, gosh, I think there's really one peak focus to each day that we have sort of a peak level of energy once and we ought to try to spend that on the most important thing and choosing where to spend that can be tough. I say that when you're starting off, you just go for the thing that maybe is the most pressing. And I think everybody kind of has a sense of like, ah, yeah, like this is a thing I need to do for work or this is a thing that has a deadline or, you know, my, maybe my kid needs help with homework and it's a really big, you usually have a sense of like, what's the most kind of urgent or pressing thing each day. That's a good way to start off and just get the feel of like, what does it feel like to write down the most big pressing thing for each day and then to hopefully get in the habit of like getting it, getting it accomplished or like at least spending time on it each day and being really focused when you do getting into that habit usually builds this sort of muscle memory of what it feels like to pick a focal point. And then I think you can kind of grow from urgency to joy. What would bring me more joy or what would bring me more satisfaction? And then sometimes those are the really exciting things. Those are the things that are those hobbies that get put off or that time with friends and family, those things that can usually get pushed aside in our, our busy world. You know, you've given us so much to think about. Your book is 
Excellent. It gives us so many entry points of being able to restructure our days and make more time. As we're leaving today, what's one thing that you really want everyone to take with them? I think that the thing that's really key is that whether you try the experiments in the book or pick it up or not, it is extremely important in our world to look at the default settings. Look at the way that things are are set up, the the ways that you handle email, the ways that you interact with social media, the ways you spend your time and ask which of those things really have to be the way that they are. Because all of us, this definitely includes me, get stuck in in patterns. You know, things are set up in a certain way. We we get a smartphone, it comes with, you know, email on it. And everybody, of course, has every social media service that they use on their phone. Of course you have it. Of course you have YouTube on there. But if you start to question some of those default settings, you really can take control of your time. And time is, it's your life. So you should take control of it. So whatever experiment you you do, try some experiment. Jake, great advice. Like I said, very insightful book. Thank you so much for writing that. And thank you for talking with us today. Well, thank you for having me on, Paula. That was Jake Knapp, author of the book, Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. This week's episode was brought to you by the Happy Child Summit, a free online event that's happening April 8th through 11th. The Happy Child Summit brings together 20 different experts who will talk about everything from how to motivate your kids, even if they're teenagers, to ways to tackle technology, to how to instill your child with grit and resilience. You'll learn ways to set goals, nurture your child's character strengths, and so much more. You can visit us at livehappynow.com to learn more about how to register for the Happy Child Summit and also to learn more about today's guest, Jake Knapp. That is all we have time for this week. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.